Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Faith here with your welcome toast. It was Nubar Golbankian who said, the best number for a dinner party is two, myself and a damn good head waiter. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We're in our culinary studios at Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven, the big G, we call it. We have the use of five culinary education program kitchens that are staffed with everything you can imagine. Okay, here's what's coming up on the show before I introduce my treasured food buddies. We're going to talk about how to do fried oysters if you're gluten-free. So these work for everybody, whether you're gluten-free or not, but maybe a little less flour. Sometimes I wonder why we have flour at all. The other thing is that uh, we want to get your take on where the best burgers are. And then our special guest is one of the most talented chefs I know in Connecticut. His name is Franco Comacho. You will know his name from Shell and Bones, from Geronimo in New Haven and Fairfield County, and from many restaurants before that, not only here but around the world. Okay, people, these are my buddies, my treasured food buddies, senior contributors Chris Prosperi and Mark Raymond. And Franco, as I mentioned, Robin Doyen-Aiken is the senior producer. And honestly, I don't even know if there's a better producer out there. She's so incredible. Hey, everybody. Hey. 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 Okay. How are we doing? Thank you. You're Hola. so welcome. <laughs> Hola. So before we get going, Franco, it's so nice to have you back hey, again. Hey, pleasure to have you with you guys. Oh, thank you for the food you just cooked oh. for us from all the restaurants. It was so astonishing. So we're going to talk to you about, I'm a little proud of my guacamole. This man, I don't know what he does to it, but I'm going to try and find out because it's so much better than mine. <laughs> um, and then we're going to talk about all those other things that I mentioned. Also, I want to know from the chefs here, Chris and Franco and Mark, you had a restaurant. What makes a good waiter or waitress or waitron, as I like to say? What makes that person good, number one? And number two, what can we as customers say to a waiter that will give us a key to truly what is the best on the menu? Now, I know there's a technique called upselling where they kind of nudge you in the direction of buying something that's one of the higher-priced items on the menu. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that the waiter understands this is about trust, and if you guide me well, not only am I going to be generous to you in the gratuity, but I'm going to respect this restaurant and I'm going to come back. Tell me, buddy, what is great on this menu? So I want to hear from these chefs on the show about how they feel about that. Can we start with this best burger idea? We're going to come back and do something wall-to-wall on burgers. And we'd like you on Facebook to tell us where you think the best burgers are. And we'll take anywhere in the country, 
But, of course, in our area, which is Connecticut, New York, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, that would be great. On Facebook, it's Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, and let us know, and then we'll use your stuff when we do that show, and we're going to call what you're voting for as some of the best. We're going to start calling some of those people and finding out what it is they do with their burgers that make them really (laughs) incredible. I, for instance, have an email from someone who's in Jupiter, Florida, who said Michael Jordan's restaurant in Jupiter, Florida has the best burger on the planet. Cool. It's mm, called 1000 North. I'd like to go there before March. I <laughs> am going yeah, I yeah. I'm going to call up and find out what in the world is this burger made of? What are they doing? And we'll include vegan or vegetarian burgers if you have nominations right. for yeah. those. And we don't want it to be just, oh, you know, it's good for a vegetarian burger. We want a, we want a really good <laughs> vegetarian <laughs> burger. Yeah, there's some good ones out there now. I, it's some of the commercial ones. Mm. But they, no, David Shank oh, yeah. came out with the with the uh, good Impossible Burger. So oh, we, yeah, we offer that at the yeah. restaurant. Oh, now. do you? Uh, the and what do you think of it? It's great. It's weird, right? You but like isn't it, it weird? Funko? I like it. I it's think weird. it's kind like of it. weird. No, it's weird. The fact that um, knowing that it's not meat, but it tastes like meat. It's okay. crazy. Maybe we should do a throwdown. Maybe we should have a competition about. We did this once before. Yeah. Who can make? A really oh, we did it with yourself. A, yeah. How would you make a the most burger. amazing veggie burger? You want to come back on the show, yeah. Franco? I would love to. You haven't just, even started on the show. <laughs> just I so you challenge. <laughs> just so you know, she won last time. But well, I paid it was, them. It was the, I paid no, them for it some. was the combination, if I oh, remember please. right. All right. So when I'm home and I am constantly trying things, experimenting, making things for the show, this goes on every single day. Some of them get dumped out and some I'll eat for dinner and think, oh, that's just okay. And some I'll think, you know, this really works. So I got on this thing. How would I make fried oysters that were really good? Because, Franco, I went to the Norwalk Oyster Festival and there was a, a booth and the man was making butter in a pan, took the fresh oysters and just put them in the pan with butter, and fried them and then handed them to you on a platter. It was the most delicious fried oyster I've ever had. There was no flour. There was no anything. But it had a kind of a slight crust on it because of the butter, I guess. I don't know. It was so delicate and gorgeous. Well, you know, the the butter, if it's whole, is a milk solids in there that creates uh, that burned milk uh, crust in there. Yeah. I most certainly is that. The other way that I do them in uh, Chell and Bones uh, would be a um, cornmeal, a little bit of cornstarch, and I soak it, the oysters in buttermilk Yeah, gives very a well, tang. and yeah. it gets the best crust you can, yeah. you can believe. So you make a mixture at Shell and Bones in New Haven. Mm-hmm. You make a mixture of cornmeal, corn, corn yeah. but it's not, not, not wheat in there, it's just yeah. corn. Yeah. Okay, corn flour, let's yeah. say. Let's say polenta. How's that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... <laughs> Then you you soak the oysters in buttermilk. In buttermilk for how long? You just throw them in there, let coat them with it, and then dust them into the into dust the them in, into the and that's cornstarch and cornmeal. And what does the cornstarch do in this thing that's different from what the cornmeal does? Light, lightens it up. Because if, I think if you just use cornmeal, it gets too, it's too, too thick. It's, yeah, too thick. Too thick. Too yeah, chunky. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right? Don't yeah. you think? Too crunchy. So then you just fry them until they're a little golden. 
10 to 15 seconds. That's oh. it. Wow. Okay. So they're still soft. <gasps> you don't want and that's them. that's gluten-free. It's gluten-free. Oh. Of course, if your oil is um, never has touched flour or anything like that, it will be gluten-free. My recommendation will be clarified butter, like I was talking to you a while ago. If you do clarified butter, 300 degrees, 325, yeah. that's perfect. You mean yeah. you just put the oysters into clarified butter? Yeah. And in scoop the them up. In the, yeah. And yeah. can we buy that clarified butter in a jar, or do we make it ourselves? I'd rather you make it yourself. Yeah. Oh, you can boy. make it okay. in a microwave. What do you it's want us so to do? Right. Put them in the microwave. Pipe. Tell me. Tell me. How does it go? When I'm making a small batch, I just take my butter. I put it in the microwave till it melts and bubbles a little bit. And then I just let it separate. The milk solids go to the bottom and the clarified butter floats on top. And then all you have to do is take it off the top or if you have time, and this is what I like my guys to do, is they put it in the fridge and then it solidifies and then you can just take it take out it of the up. container and that's, that's your clarified butter and you dump your milk solids it's, out. It's milk and solids it. and water. So yeah. you only got – you take that yeah. out and that's it. Then you have so there's butter. something, Mark, about – the clarified butter that makes that brings out the flavor of an oyster like nothing oh. else is that what you're saying? Absolutely! Oh my god! Oh, I got to do that! Oh, I have oh, I to do, do this. Anything? It's, it's not just oysters, right? You fry anything in clarified butter, and it ups. It tastes better. It you, brings everything up. You know. Do you agree with me that I mean this is just maybe my palate, but when I buy it in a jar off a shelf, and it's expensive. I just taste it and I think this tastes kind of weird to me. It doesn't taste like butter. Does that happen to you? I think preservatives, right? For me, anything in a jar <laughs> has something to preserve it, yeah. especially if you have fresh butter. Right. Yeah. We buy them in bulk for bread. And you clarify that, you, you can yeah. taste Definitely the difference. Yeah. I'm telling you, just try it. If you are going to have salmon tonight for dinner or whatever, you, and we are so now trained to fry everything in olive oil or canola oil or whatever it is, once, just try it. Clarify some butter and whatever you were going to pan fry, pan fry in a little bit of clarified butter and see the difference. You might think it's, it's a little expensive, but um, once you get to 400 degrees is the burning point for clarified butter. But remember, we do uh, burn butter for fish. Oh, yeah. Brown oh, butter. Brown, brown butter. butter. <laughs> That's not yeah. bad. Exactly. <laughs> so you can use that for other That's things that we like. That is related to what you can – you can not waste it. Yeah. Put it yeah. Put it oh, brown right. butter. I could yeah. roll so, around in brown butter. It's my favorite thing. That nutty burn flavor is, oh, is unique. Is it unbelievable. Yeah. With soul – Filet of sole with maybe a yeah. little caper or something. So, oh Lemon so segments. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Franco and I were talking. When we first started cooking, not that long ago, we cooked everything in clarified butter. A couple years ago. Yeah. Well, a couple Mark, years ago. But there was nothing. There was, there was no oil in our kitchen except to make salad. Yeah. I remember back in the day and I'm going gonna, gonna to put a place – People in the Hartford area know yeah. Brown Thompson's. Yeah, every cool. station had clarified butter. Yeah, right. I mean, that was right just every what you cooked station with. had clarified butter. Yeah. Every station. Uh-huh. Okay, how about I'm going to say now he said the name of a place <laughs> That's that I grew cool. up with in downtown Hartford, Brown Thompson's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, there's a lot there of a people of, them, right? of a certain there were three. age yeah. who are saying, "What are you talking about?" So there was this big department store in downtown Hartford, and it was wonderful, and they had a cafeteria in the basement. They had a soda that was a raspberry lime Ricky, and wow. it was to die for. I mean, you just couldn't. 
it's all you thought about when you were on your way to that cafeteria. Was it a soda fountain? I'm going to have. It was in like a container. Wow. It was so absolutely delicious. Mm. When it was real soda, right? Yeah, not, I mean, not, um, not uh, flavoring homemade corn yeah. syrup, corn and syrup. And it was real sugar, yeah, yeah real yeah. sugar, and probably real raspberries. <laughs> because now you look on the ingredients, like artificial raspberry flavoring, and <sighs> all right, so we could go off on a whole yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. we? So, so we could do a whole about show the on old, soda. about the old days. But <laughs> I want to get into if you would all join me, Franco Camacho. If I hear that this guy is opening a restaurant or consulting with a restaurant. I will go there. There used to be a restaurant in New Haven called Roomba. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it had white curtains flowing and candles lit, and it was so chic. And you'd go in. I miss it. (laughs) Oh, man. It was a place. It was Latin, and it was so – it was amazing. Best restaurant bathrooms in the world. Do you remember? (laughs) They had – you'd go in. It was a clear glass door, and when you closed it, it it fogged up. Oh, it was unbelievable. (laughs) It was just such a cool place. But the food was – so staggering. So Faith, that's, I couldn't get enough of that food. I would eat myself till I had to roll out of that place. I know. You made me feel like I want to open it again. And, <laughs> and, and so cocktails. Good. The cocktails yeah. were fantastic. We, I don't mean just mojitos. I mean just these innovative cocktails that were so it, it was it was a great time to start something with the Latin flavors and yes. the Caribbean uh, energy yeah. and all that stuff, I think yeah. it was the, it was perfect time for us to mm-hmm. to come to New Haven and, and we ride the wave. Yeah, what yeah. Wave, we know? were oh. just learning about Boom. you, guys, right? <laughs> you know, then restaurants keep cycling. New Haven has the largest number of restaurants in the entire state of Connecticut and probably a lot of other places. So, so now Franco has moved on. And before that, he was, you know, doing stuff on the QE2, working in Maui. I mean, he's just done so many things. So right now, he's at three places that I think are fantastic, Shell and Bones and Geronimo, two different restaurants in New Haven. And Geronimo, you would say, is, would you say it's Southwest mixed with Latin? Or what would you, how would you describe what Geronimo is? It's Southwest cuisine. Just straight southwest. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to stay through to the concept. Like I try mm-hmm. to stay through to the concept. And in in Roomba, you don't want to uh, confuse people. Fuse things exactly. too much. Okay, but don't people say, "I don't know what this is, but it's really delicious." <laughs> I mean, do they, or is it just the way that menus are? There's got to be a pork. There's got to be a beef, a chicken. Mostly is to. Uh, Cater it to the people they eat that. But it it's also uh, brings a culture together. So you're going to flavor the traditional proteins. Absolutely. In this southwestern way. And it is amazing. The cocktails there are just terrific. The tequila. And thank you mm. for bringing this for us because <laughs> this is really delicious. Oh, these this is margaritas. No, but Geronimo has a – being from New Mexico, the cuisine that was started and, and expand from there – it has a lot of Mexican influence, Spaniards and the cowboys from Texas, and yeah. they brought the meat, they brought all this stuff. But mainly it was a vegetarian culture one, at one point. Um, they they sustain with scorn. You're saying it's Spaniards and Mexicans? Yeah. 
I didn't know that. Mexican, Spaniards, and the cowboys from, from the United States, wow. Texas, they brought the meats and all that. The settlers in Texas were from Germany in the 1830s, and they were the cattle people. So they introduced wow. meat into wow. the into all the, the chilies and all that stuff. And, and what's, so they what had is the your, first what's, and then the what, meat. Uh-huh, wow. great, good, Chris. What's, what's your heritage? Ooh, I'm, I'm I a mean, waca- besides being an American, I'm, I'm, I'm a guacamole. That's <laughs> 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 avocado, onions, tomatoes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a mix of um, a great um, a heritage of food, cooks, and, and Latin American people, Spaniards, Cubans, Mexicans. Yes. So I was born in Tijuana, Mexico, wow. so I'm the northern Mexico. Yeah. I'm Baja Mex, I the call, in the cuisine oh. over there. And Jeez. I was exposed to a lot of things in the border. Yeah. And also my, growing up, you know, my grandmother just introduced me to the plantains, the black beans, the, mm, the, yeah. all the things that I, I felt that I had to do in Roomba when I opened it. I and, know. And as you go north, you know, remember that uh, corn wasn't available in the north. It was the Spanish by the flour. Yeah. So we're going to go into our second half in just mm-hmm. a minute. But I, I want to say something about what you just said, Franco. When we often think about black beans and rice, it seems so simple. And it can taste so simple. But when I have your food, when you do black beans, or you do tacos, or and we'll get into this, there's something about it where I think, wow, is this what Latin or Mexican food is all about? Because I've never had black beans like this. I want to know what it is you do to make them special. Because it's not just going to a cafeteria. I mean, God bless them. That's good, too. Just plain black beans and rice. But there is something about the flavor that comes uh, through. You start with mindfulness. You see your product, and you start seeing what you're going to do with it. You don't throw things in there. You layer flavors. And the same recipe, Chris can tell you. We chefs, we see something, we, I, I understand it. And then you see the ingredients, and you start with something, but you don't follow the rest of the ingredients because you're tasting as you go. It's the way you build flavors. So I can have a pot of beans there and let it just do whatever is, is work. Are but you making from scratch or? Scratch. Even from scratch. scratch. Okay. We the beans. So we you boiled it. some beans. You've got black beans. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we put epazote, we put tomatoes, we put, um, you know, onions, we put garlic. While they're boiling? Yeah. And yeah. I put beer in mine sometimes. Nice. <laughs> That's why your beans are they, so good. These ones, the, the Geronimo ones, yeah. had that, uh, that uh, influence from uh-huh. the north. Mexico yeah. is a different thing. You have yeah. pintos. Yeah. In California, it's pintos. Yeah. In, in Mexico, in the Caribbean area of uh, Mexico, the Gulf, you see black beans all over, which my grandmother yeah. grew up. See, wow. this is how we learn. This yeah. is how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Recipes get developed, sure. and then the creativity starts with a particular chef, and then you have this cuisine. It just goes. And, oh, it's so exciting. And it's always evolving. It, it, it is It is respect to history in many yeah. ways because you fusion is started when cultures cross over. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. You know, Spaniards come, they brought the, the chickens, the cows, the pigs and all that. Yeah. We, we didn't have that. We yeah. had armadillos. We had wild turkeys and yeah. venison and all yeah. that. See? Doesn't this make you think about the Silk Road in China? 
where so many cultures crossed and traders were there and ingredients started to mix. And I think, does anyone ever talk about what were the restaurants around the Silk Road where this intersection was, this kind of traffic circle of cultures? Had to be amazing. I wish somebody would do that book. All right, look, look, look. I can't wait to get to how this man makes his guacamole. And also this business about what makes a good waiter and what you as a diner can say to a waiter that sets you on a course for the best dish on the menu. And it's not about price. We're going to tell you about that. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. So say Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'm Faith Middleton. Sign up for our free podcast, a copy of the show. You can do that online if you've never done it before at foodschmooze.org, and you'll see sign up for the podcast. You do it once. It comes to you in your inbox, and you can listen on your schedule. It really, this is how more and more people listen all the yeah. time now. They don't necessarily go by, it's live on the air right now. I mean, of course, we all do that to some extent, but it's the thing. So I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Brosberry, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Wine broker Alex Province is a little bit ailing today, so he'll be with us next time. Our other wine broker, Mark Raymond, is here. And our special guest, Franco Camacho. You will know his restaurants by Shellen Bones in New Haven and Geronimo in two places, New Haven and Fairfield, Connecticut. The food is just unbelievable. Yeah. So he made us, he brought all of his food, but we all know his restaurants for a long time. You might remember him from Roomba in New Haven. Okay, here's the deal with guacamole. You know, I think I make a good guacamole, but then I, I just had Franco's guacamole, oh, and I thought, oh, heaven. man, what in the world? Creamy. Now, do you want to keep that a secret, or do you tell us what you put in there? It's right? the only secret that, that I have is no secrets. <laughs> oh. The secret of having a great guacamole is to drink a margarita before you make it. Why did you got to loose up and open. <laughs> you might open up and, you know, everything. The inspirational margarita. You need to have it. I didn't think of it. I did with not the ingredients. Think of it. The key ingredient here, you start with the good avocado. 
if your avocado is not perfectly ripe, you're not going to have a good guacamole. And I think we pick ones that are too soft. Absolutely. So we want a little firmness to it, but you a little... Touch to the, the south pole, which is the, the thinner part of the avocado. That's on the bottom. Yeah. Okay. And right there, you know, if your thumb goes in a little bit, it's ready to go. Oh. Just that one spot. Yeah. This is a see, great I chuck, See, I didn't even know that. I everyone everyone grabs the other way around? Yeah. I push it on the sides. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, the store owner so wants to kill on the me, bottom. but I do. Okay, so that's that. That's how we know well, it's Well, you, right. you start with, with a good avocado, mm-hmm. ready to go. And, of course, you have the ingredients chopped up fresh. So at Geronimo, in this case, we do them right in front of you. The, the key is freshness and mindfulness. So you, you might have a, an avocado that is uh, not yet completely ripe. Which avocado, by, by the way, is the only fruit that turns its starch into oil. Instead of sugar. Instead of sugar. Huh. It's the only thing. So the oil balance in the avocado, is, that's when you have that creaminess. You don't have to add anything. Mm-hmm. You can tell. Yours was so exactly. creamy. But what else is in there? Onions. Red onions? We do red onions. Mm-hmm. Green onions, the green part. We oh. do the jalapeno, salt, and squeeze lime juice. Uh, where's the cilantro? That's the last part. You don't do it when you smash it. You do so, it in the last part. So minute. he does it in the border and pestle. That's the other thing yeah. we don't do. We do it right? in the mocajete. Is the, yeah, the, the mocajete. Yeah. 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 But really, I want to say disrespectfully, I don't really care about that. I will do it with a, a certain smasher I have Absolutely. in a bowl. Absolutely. You know what? Everything influences. You do it with a metal smasher or wood spoon. That one's going to treat the avocado differently. Bring out a different Absolutely. aspect of yeah. really? the texture. Yeah. It's history, right? It's the way it was done. The first time I went to Mexico, they showed me these rocks. It's, it's a level of rocks. And in the boulders are these holes. And that's where they ground everything up, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's where this tradition comes from. So is there something to using that? Yeah, there is. So the other day someone said to me, we were discussing guacamole, and they said, mm-hmm. you don't have garlic in your guacamole? I was looking at them like, are you from the moon? No, no. I don't have garlic in my guacamole. Doesn't have you, have you ever it. done Doesn't that? You know, it, it depends. You do a guacamole sauce for a taco. Yes, you do that. Do you say guacamole? Guacamole. 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 <laughs> We're not going to say that because it's just too embarrassing. <laughs> no, no. Okay. But, but you, you know what I'm saying? You have to be in the balance of the ingredients. You don't want to have too much onions. You don't want to get the water of the tomatoes too much. You know, it depends how many people you're doing. So your other restaurant that you're in charge of, Shell and Bones, in New Haven, the other one, Geronimo, is Southwestern. How would you describe Shell and Bones? Shell and Bones is, is a seafood steak restaurant with the New England twist. We're trying to get as much local native fish that doesn't travel too much that is right here in, in the Atlantic. You know, oysters, we do five different types of oysters all the time. So what's the nice. secret to your clam chowder, which is the best I have <laughs> ever planet. had in my life? Probably I can say it's been uh, award-winning three times. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I can see that. It's amazing. There's a lot of stock as opposed to cream. I mean, there's some cream in it, but there's stock. I feel the richness of the stock. We, we um, boil the clams. We get the clam juice out. We have the clam juice That's fresh. The difference right yeah. there. Because I use it for other things, and then I do the onions, I do the celery, I do. And, but we do this we do it with bacon in know? in the pot because this is back better. to you yeah. layering exactly. And then no, the we don't do clams this at home this the, much. The chopped clams mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Can yeah, there we... were chunks of, of clams, delicious clams mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. that were perfectly mm-hmm. tender. For and this weather firm. right now, I can drink a two Nothing gallons better. right now. 
Much. I know. <laughs> so Robin Doyen Aiken is our senior producer. I was watching you have the clam chowder. Oh, and boy. I, I know. Wasn't that it's unbelievable? It's just the best. And it's Thank at both you. places, right? No, Geronimo, we don't do clam chowder. We do a killer um, chicken tortilla soup. Killer. Oh. We smoke, we smoke, the, we smoke the chicken. Love yeah. chicken tortillas. Uh, fresh corn, roasted oh. corn in there. It's mm. awesome. Okay. We're famous for award-winning green chili uh, yeah. pork stew or chili. It's nice. just award-winning, too. You have to get that, the, the green chili. Yeah. And yeah. you're getting your chilies from the Southwest? Yeah. We yeah. get Chimayo from okay. uh, 25 farmers in, in Santa Fe. Don't we wish Alex was here? Because, you know, he's in Arizona right now. He would have so been, been, been all over going yeah. crazy yeah. all over that. Um, Robin, when you go into a restaurant, how do you figure out when it's a new place to you, what's the best dish on the menu? Do you have a technique? Do you have a trick? When I go into a restaurant for the first time, I walk around a little bit, and I actually, you know, it's the visual equivalent of eavesdropping because I will look and see what everyone is eating. You're one of those. Yes. I and did then too. I think. And I'm going to have that. Yeah. Yes. What are they those having? in the room. There, there have been times, I will tell you, where I've been in a restaurant, I've walked around, someone has caught me eyeballing, and they said, would you like a bite? Oh. <laughs> so I had, nice can I help you? Yeah, and, and Were you, you know, like to that with us? <laughs> <laughs> That's in the Midwest. <laughs> well, okay. of course, though, I said, actually, yes. And then I did end up getting the roasted Brussels sprouts after that. They didn't give wow. you a bite? You didn't, did you take a bite from them? Listen, I'm a very friendly-looking woman. People, when I walk oh, around, no, that's true. It's true. They it feel is true. safe with me. I felt safe with them, and I took a bite, and I ended up ordering it. it smiles open doors. Yeah. That's right. So that's a great thing to do. Maybe it starts with when I walk in, what do I smell? If it smells fantastic, those aromas coming out of the kitchen, I am so excited. I think this place knows what it's doing because I can smell it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not smelling bleach and water that they've swabbed <laughs> down the, the decks with, nope. and you know yeah, which yeah. which will kill <laughs> yeah. um, any appetite. Any okay, so that's number one. Number two, I'm with Robin. I start eyeballing. I'll interview people, stare at their food, and then three, what you say to the waiter. So I will say to a waiter. If there's one thing, and this is where I've never been before. If there's one thing and you took it off the menu, people would scream. They would call you. They would write to you. They would. <laughs> does this happen that's to a, you, Frank? Yeah, that's a great me. question. That's a perfect question. <laughs> Do you get that? Absolutely. And yeah. what's the answer at your two places, Geronimo? In Chalamos, it's our meatloaf. Shell and bones, it's, it's your the meatloaf. meatloaf. Wow. Classic. You know, I put a lot of thought in it and a lot of love. The killer, you know. Wow! Love. I will eat it in anything. I oh. do. I do me love tacos. No, you, <laughs> you don't. No. That's no. a great idea. I, I'm speechless. Brilliant. I'm rendered. I just I'm no words. I'm just See, now that's the one. That's the one way I would probably eat meatloaf because I have an aversion to meatloaf growing up. But man, I'll really? tell you what. On a taco, All on right, a taco, I probably do it. <laughs> so Geronimo, what do they say? If you take this off, we'll kill you. The green chili. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Is it pozole? Is there hominy in there? Is pork? Is green chili? Is hot peppers? This is getting us into what makes a great waiter. And I think everyone who eats out, you know when somebody's a good waiter. Mm-hmm. I just the other day had a woman who was addressing me in the most, and everyone, 
in the most adorable terms. She would say, sweetheart. It was like a, it's kind of a taco Mexican place. Sweetheart, what can I get you? Oh, baby, let me just do that for you. Honey, oh, you got a girlfriend? I mean, it was so over the top, and I adored her. I adored the whole experience, and I knew if I asked her anything, she would be honest with me. Then the other day, I was in a place, and I said to the waiter, you know, what would they kill you over if you took it off the menu? He looked at me and he said in a very robotic way, it's up to you. I, wow. I looked at him. Wow. That's disappointing. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I looked at him and I said, okay. And then later on we had another encounter and I said, buddy, I can't read you. You know, he didn't know what to do and I thought – this guy has either not been trained. Yeah, or green, very green. This is the best he can do. Um, maybe not the best profession to be in. Agreed. What do you all say? I mean, what makes a good waiter? For me, it's always been the server that could get how much to communicate or how not to communicate. Do they want to be led around the dance or do they want to lead and tell you where they're going to go. And you've mm. got to figure that out as a server. And, and fast. A great server will pick that up within the first 10 seconds of being at the table. Yep. And questions like you had presented are absolutely perfect for a great server because mm. they can capitalize on that. They'll be able to get a read off of you exactly where to go so, with the So let me ask all of you, how do you teach wait people, these servers, to have – a kind of emotional intelligence, a kind of subtlety about how to deal with people. How do no, you... it's not a teach. That's a personality trait. Certain things you don't teach. You teach the specials. You teach what's in the food. But to be a good server – and there's an exception. You know what the exception is? Actors. I, it, starts, it starts with attitude, first of all. Commitment to service. Yes. You committed to service. Yes. You would do anything. You learn your stuff. You learn yeah. your menu. You learn your, your ingredients. And the trust that you create with the kitchen, the chef will be there for you to mm-hmm. answer any questions. And I yell at the, at the waiter. But mm-hmm. the waiter trusts the kitchen. that They can also present themselves in front of the customer. With that attitude, they say, right. I can do anything for you because yes. I'm, I'm backed up uh, by, these by, guys. by the yeah. guys. Yeah. I can do anything you want. And I will throw in that one other thing is there's no such thing as perfection. Nope. No. As much as you try to be 100% on all the time. Every now and then, you're going to get a personality conflict that's just mm-hmm. – it's just not going to be the right fit. That's life. It's oil and water. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. then you just switch the server. Can it, you all talk to me honestly because you have had or have restaurants. Upselling. You ask a server, what's great on the menu? What, what are you liking that you've tasted? Not every server has tasted everything. You know, you're asking these questions because you don't want to make a mistake. And it is hard to make a living in a restaurant now. Food costs are so high. Often uh, servers are trained to, if asked to push something a little more expensive, it helps the whole restaurant and the chef is usually proud of everything. But for us as diners, it's not necessarily – It's almost like going into a clothing store and having someone say, you look fantastic (laughs) in that, (laughs) no matter how you look. (laughs) Or this is the perfume I wear. Yeah, right. (laughs) I think that's an old technique. I I think think it's being done with wine. I think consumers have really kind of seen through Mm -hmm. 
that whole image. I mean, it's very easy to look at a menu and say, oh, that's the most expensive thing on the menu you just recommended. If they don't give you a couple options, yeah. then you know something's, then you know something's up. So as with training, more so, you have to be authentic. Yes. If you don't know, say it, and I'll find out. But doesn't matter how they're treating you, how they're calling you, or the adjectives they're using mm-hmm. to buy anything. The knowledge will create that, that bridge. Of, and then yeah. I'll leave it to you. I have all these options, and they're all great, but I'll tell you which one. And then you're like, mm. yeah. I, I think I'm going to have Give them choices. All right. We have so much more to talk with you about. Our special guest is Arturo Franco Camacho, and he is executive chef of Shell and Bones in New Haven and also Geronimo in New Haven and Fairfield, Connecticut. We love the local, and we ask you to support your local food growers and food makers. You can get the podcast by going to foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back with another segment. Don't go away. This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York. New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island. That includes the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer of this show is Robin Doyen Aiken. To hear the show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Uh, podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online, waiting to make you happy at foodschmooze.org. Our special guest on this show is Arturo Franco Camacho. We know him as Franco Camacho, and he is executive chef of Shell and Bones in New Haven and Geronimo in New Haven and Fairfield, Connecticut. The food is fantastic. Now, we're just talking restaurants here for a minute. Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant, something really exciting is happening for you. And we have privately, off to the side, been following along over these many, many months. months. While you've been having your regular Metro Beast Restaurant going along as it has for years, and all the while... What's been happening? We've been building a new home for Metro Beast because after five years at the 1820 house, we are moving. In Simsbury, Connecticut. Yeah, in Simsbury. And we're not moving far. We're moving two-tenths of a mile down the street to the Ensign House, which is a classic brownstone. Yeah, brownstone historic building owned by Joseph Ensign, who was one of the founders of the Ensign Bickford Company, which is one of the biggest employers in Simsbury. And it's right on the corner of Hot Meadow and uh, Drake Hill Mall. And you are opening. Yeah, we're opening really soon. Wow. Any day now. 
Yeah, wow. it's it's amazing, and it's such a it is such a gorgeous yeah. building. It's been empty for I think going on eight years now. I can testify to this. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's a I gorgeous. Am so excited. I had a preview yeah. of it. And yeah. Mark, oh my goodness! I've been we've been I showing so people excited. around. Yeah. So it's it was a little like going to the Mark Twain house. I mean, it's yeah. like a thing. Yeah. Are yeah. you going to like step up the food, or are you going to stay in that casual yeah. bistro way? Yeah, What's casual, your deal? Casual bistro food stays the same and we're just – we're going to add three more party rooms for private parties. Wow. So the okay. restaurant stays the same size, the same intimacy. We have a larger deck. It will be the same Metro Beast just in a new exciting location. Congratulations. Wow, thank you. Yeah, I can't wait. Congratulations. Can't wait. Help. You have to come see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See well, it. with three party rooms. Yeah. Absolutely. You have to come. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, you okay. have to try that. Right. So – Chris, I'm so excited for this. And you, as you know, we have been really doing a thing. So while Chris was presenting that, Franco and Mark Raymond and we, we were all kind of putting something together here that it comes from Shell and Bones and Geronimo where the desserts are. And there is a pistachio creme brulee. And there is – I know, but I'm waiting for this? that one <laughs> with the caramel balls this on is top. A, a, <laughs> I've just been eating the caramel balls. Have you They're been eating so the caramel good. balls? <laughs> this is a, a pot de creme. But look so at it. So it's a little chocolate souffle pudding-y thing. Yeah, and on top. And it has these caramel balls on top. What are they? Salted caramel balls. It's chocolate. Oh it's milk God. chocolate with the, the – little, little caramel and yeah. salt yeah. on yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, that's what mm. I want. <laughs> How is it? Oh my god! Better than the creme brulee, or oh, as good oh as the god. creme brulee? Robin, you got Who's it. in the it's studio supervising mm. this stuff? Mm. Um, oh, it's I have set aside each one of it's these for thick. you, and oh, you're Robin. you're just going to flip out. Faith always has my back. Oh Thanks. my! Oh my god! That is heaven. That chocolate. Oh. That is the best pot creme I've ever had. Why'd you take it away? Give him another bite. Give him another bite. And you know, you know me, I'm not a dessert I, person. Can I say this about the little balls on top? Absolutely. When I was in Italy. Here um, are the little balls. Yes, yes. <laughs> we had those filled with balsamico. It, Amazing. It creates another dimension of flavor. But texture also, absolutely. right? Absolutely. You know? But that's the one thing I want to say about Franco's food going all the way back since I've met him. It's not just about flavors. It's mm. about the textures. Mm. Thank you. And you know what the third I ingredient is? The third thing that we keep missing? I swear you can taste this when people cook. Mm. It's the love he puts in the food. Agreed. Right? You can see it on his face. Multiple times, Franco said that he cooks with mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And so as an eater, I always think about eating in a, in a mindful way, but I don't often think about cooking that way. And I think it, it's probably one of the things that makes the difference for Franco. I, Everybody. That's my intention. We live in a really distracted world, and you have so many distractions. But when you're in the kitchen, when you're in front of your stove, I I'm, feel I'm better in front of the stove and the microphone. That ray, that moment is the now. And you try to yeah. utilize it the best you can. Right. And you communicate your energy, your state yeah. of mind. You know, being a chef is very personal. Mm -hmm. You can tell if the chef or the person is tired and the way the plate looks. Yeah. And the food taste. And the food taste. Yeah. So it's communication yeah. of uh, your, your energy to what you're going to give. 
And that's the gift you're giving. That means go to dinner early. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) No, it's not just that. I've been to restaurants where the food came to me and the food tasted great, but there was something not missing just off. And I think it's always that there's something the chef was angry or not happy or he was – it translates – the mood of the chef and the mood of the kitchen translates to the food. I I recommend you guys uh, watch the movie – like water for chocolate. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Everyone see it, right? I've That's seen it. that three times. That, right <laughs> it's, 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 what, it's what you eat. It's what translates. Yeah. And why we like our, our mother's food more oh, than yes. anyone else. Oh. Yeah. Because she did it with love. She right. want to nurture yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. She didn't just cook for you to fill up. Yeah. No. She was right there making sure that 100%. you had. Great point. And that Great is point. what we always going to say my mom's does things better yep. than yeah. anyone else. Yeah. And, and we can't even make the food of our no. mothers. We Absolutely can't make them not. the same way because Absolutely. it wasn't made with that intent. Absolutely. Right. Yep. And that's and, the missing ingredient. And you said the right word. It's what is your intention? Yeah. What is your intention? Yeah. And that exactly. translates in the food. So if the chef is angry and in a bad mood or the kitchen's tense, that translates into the food. Yeah. I know that sounds kind and of it, like hippie-ish, trippy kind of thing, but it really does. Oh, it does. And, and that's There's why – and going back to the waiter or the waitress, if the kitchen is uh, yelling, you know, circus back there. Yeah, out of balance. Yeah. Exactly. It does. You know. It translates into the front of the house too. Absolutely. You can go into some kitchens and there's a rule or an ethic of silence. And so they're all working in silence. I don't know if that's any better. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I think the communication it, it, has it, to be there. It's more so as the um, – Again, mindfulness win service. Yeah. We're gonna cook for people. You know, yeah. get ready. I only want to heard, yeah. yes, chef, or yeah. you know, we chef. Yeah, that's it. That's and, it. You know, it's no argument. The, the customer is there for you know to eat, and we got to provide. And and the answer is yes. No problem. You know, mm-hmm. this is really a story of is somebody gonna come back? Are they going to recommend it? I'm sorry to interrupt. Are they going to rec- recommend it to other people? <laughs> no, please. I, I mean, yeah, it's great to have one person come back, but what about recommending it to other people? Word of mouth is the number That's one. I, I, you. But it is, it's actually um, the sentiment that you're putting in, in your trade. Yeah. It's another dish in, in Shell and Bones. They, everyone's, you know, I took out of, of the menu, cut chowder. Is it chowder? But it's with cod and clams and throw the onions, the, the, the leeks, yeah. the corn, the, the potatoes, and the, you build the dish. And the guy saw me, and, and I was washing my car. And he actually once said, I, I came for the cod shot I had on the menu. I said, I'll make it for you. I made it, and I went and, you know, sent it. He was so appreciated. I was in the car wash. The guy said to me, I was in your restaurant the other day. Thank you for making that cod shutter for me. Mm. See? I went just for that. Yeah. And it was my birthday, and yeah. you made my night. Yeah. yeah. You never know. That's, a hu- that's priceless. You love doing it. We talk yeah. about what makes a great server. Well, that's what makes a great customer. Yeah. yeah. They come back with such appreciation. Mm-hmm. That's, that's priceless. Any relationship is giving and taking. Yes. Yeah. Anything in life. Yeah. And, and you don't give anything to your customer to come back, they're not going to come back. No. No, it's so true. Mm -hmm. Wow. This has been, for me, fascinating because you're all in that world. And to hear you describe it from your side, I've tried a little bit to do it from a customer side. To hear that exchange has been just amazing. It is not easy, but in the moment of the rush, when you extend yourself for someone, there's no sacrifice. No. It's a gift that you're giving. Yeah. And it puts you in a place in your mind, in yourself, that is indescribable. Well, wait a minute. How do you see it as a gift if you don't know? 
you can't see my face. You're in that place by yourself and with your crew. How does that gift-giving happen? Experience gives you intuition. Mm. And you got to trust that. When I walk in the room, I know who's not having a good time in the food. Sometimes I go out there and I hope you enjoy your meal. Or, and someone said to me once, what about if I tell you not? That's why I'm here. You know, I was just kidding. You know, but <laughs> when you get out of the kitchen, it could be good or bad. Right. But you got to be ready to, to receive yeah. inter- yeah. or to receive criticism because, you know, it's very personal. Yeah. This is like anybody making something, whether it is a painting, mm. a sculpture, yes. a piece sure. of music. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be a reaction. Mm-hmm. It's personal, what you've extended as a kind of gift and expression. And then... The other half is that people will respond, and you don't know what you're going to get. Well, it's, it's a form of art that is edible, and it's going to change consciously. The recipe can tell you this by you dealing with fresh produce. If the asparagus from today, they're not going to taste the same like the ones you're going to get next week. And the mm. customer, sometimes our best experiences that our guests can have is when something went wrong and how we deal with it, right? Thank we you. had a guest where they weren't happy with what we served them. I went up personally, talked to them. Then I went down, personally made their meal, brought it back to them. And that couple became one of our best customers because of that moment. The worst scenarios where you have a problem with someone and you own it and you try to fix it, mm-hmm. they can become the best relations you ever had in your life. Yeah. So let's say you encounter someone in the dining room who says, I'm not happy. I would say that um, you invited them humbly to come back and give you another opportunity. Let them know that they're, they're welcome back and I'll personally take care of your table. How do you folks not take this personally? It's a maturity that you have about understanding what you're doing mm-hmm. and a humility mm-hmm. Of understanding that you're in a business not just to serve people but to give people an experience and so knowing that there is no perfection in just recognizing that from the get-go then you take the next steps and say okay before this person leaves we need to do whatever we can to get this person back authentically not challenge not not saying well i give you a gift card no i really want you to come back and i personally take care of you right they will come back Uh, there was not like and and saving the situation to me makes it even better yeah but remember the meal tastes better because the company you are with right so So we have to bring guests for them Absolutely. <laughs> Eat with people you love. I am going to bring And then George it all Clooney comes together. And you are going to You time. are going to love that. Oh, my God. It's going to be unbelievable. You can invite right. me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Franco Camacho. We are on Connecticut Public Radio, Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Don't want the party to end? Well, neither do we. Talk with us anytime online at foodschmooze.org.